This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, if there is something that is the backbone of every good morning time, it has got to be books. We love books in our morning time, and we know that so many of you do as well. Books help us to engage with each other as a family and also discuss some of those big meaty ideas that are so much fun to discuss in morning time. Well, today's guest on the podcast is Jessica Lawton. Jessica is the author of many of the morning time plans that we have in the Your Morning Basket Plus subscription, and she is just wonderful at choosing really great and engaging books. I have used her as my go-to resource for good books on a topic for about seven years now. So she really does get to the heart of picking good books. I know that so many of you guys kind of feel a little less confident about choosing books sometimes. You're always wanting to make sure that you can get the best book or the right book for any given situation. So I invited Jessica on the podcast today to talk a little bit about how she chooses books for the morning time plans and also for her own morning time. It was a fun conversation. I learned some new things that I didn't know and some new tips that I would have never thought of using myself. So I think you're going to enjoy it and we'll get on with it right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Your Morning Basket podcast is brought to you by Your Morning Basket Plus. Get the tools you need to put the joy back into your homeschool. If you have been wanting to do morning time in your homeschool, but you're a little overwhelmed at the idea of which resources to use or which books should you choose, we have done all the hard work for you. Your Morning Basket Plus is how you can get more out of your morning time with less work for mom. In the Plus subscription, we have over 42 sets of morning time plans that you can download and are open and go. We also have live events every month with some of your favorite morning time teachers, event replays, and so much more to add to your morning time. Now, we have just released our brand new monthly subscription option. Up until now, you could only get an annual subscription. That's still available and it's still your best deal. But if you would like a monthly option to get in and try the subscription out and see what we have available, you can find more information about that on the website. So come on over to PamBarnhill.com, click the green Get the Tools button, and check out the Your Morning Basket Plus subscription today. And now, on with the podcast. Jessica Lawton is a homeschool mom to five fantastically fabulous children. Her hobbies include book collecting, knitting, reading, and bird watching. While teacher or writer was never on her list of things to be when I grow up, she curiously finds herself doing both and enjoying it. This only strengthens her firmly held belief that God has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. 
Jessica is also the author of most of the morning time plan sets here at Your Morning Basket in our fabulous Your Morning Basket Plus subscription. And as such, she is also my go-to person whenever I am looking for a good book. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am so glad you're here. So what I didn't say in your intro is we used to be neighbors. Yes, we did, but we're not anymore. I know. We're not going to talk about the we're not anymore, but (laughs) we were for like, gosh, four or five years, we were neighbors down the street. That was more than that, I think. Yeah, at least five. Okay. We were down the street neighbors, and we really did look at a lot of books together and share books back and forth, mostly me borrowing from you because you have one (laughs) of the most awesome home libraries I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was. I I enjoy loaning out my books and sending stacks home with people to enjoy. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And you even have a system for that, don't you? I do. I use library thing to catalog all my books. Okay. So guys, what I'm wanting you to know here is this is one serious book lover we are talking to right here. There there are a lot of books involved. Yeah. Well, I'm going to an estate sale tomorrow and my husband says, what do we need at this estate sale? I said, well, I looked at the pictures and he's got some really great stuff, but on his bookshelves, it looks like some really interesting things there. He just, you know, sighs and... (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, I've got to build more shelves. (laughs) That's right. Another trip to Ikea. All right. Well, before we talk more about books, tell me a little bit about you and your homeschool and how you homeschool those five kids. Well, currently we are no longer living down the street from Pam. We live in Colorado now and I have five children, four of which we homeschool. They range from eighth grade to second grade. And Even though I like classical and Charlotte Mason ideas, I feel like our homeschool has become very eclectic as the kids get older, as I give each child the resources to explore the things that they're passionate about. So schooling doesn't look the same for every child at all. Well, they do some things together, but each one has a different thing that they're doing that they're passionate about And I want to give them the resources for that and the time to do it while still covering, you know, the math and the reading and the things you have to do. Right, right. And you guys, you have a pretty good morning time going, right? We do, for the most part. It slows down a little bit during swimming. We pick it up when swimming is not quite as hectic. So what started off this year is maybe more like a two-hour morning time, really strong, has backed off to maybe 45 minutes on a good day. (laughs) Which, you know, that's still, for most people, that's still a pretty long morning time session. What kind of things do you guys do in morning time? Well, the, the one we try to hit first and... Most often is, of course, our morning worship together where we read the Bible and we sing a hymn and we pray together. We've also added the Little Pilgrim's Progress and some articles from a a magazine that talk about faith and theology and things like that for my older kids. After that, usually it's time to go to swimming. So we've actually at times split our morning time. 
we don't always get a chance to come back to it afterwards. But when we do, we try to do things like my book house. We've been picking up my book house. I let the children choose a history book. My son chose this John Smith's World history book that he's enjoying me read out loud. We've also added primary challenge math. And we've been enjoying the Hobbit morning time plans. <laughs> yeah, those are definitely on my list. I'm probably not going to get to them until the fall of next year, but they look so good. I'm really wanting, uh, really wanting to add those, especially since I have some kids who are crazy about fantasy and the Hobbit and things like that. We've, we've enjoyed the, the parts that we've been able to do. We haven't been able to um, do every part of it, which I think is important to say, because it doesn't appeal to everybody. So we've left off some of the stuff that maybe my older kids would have enjoyed just so that we could bring along the younger kids. Yeah. Yeah. So Jessica, one of the things that I just absolutely love about you is you just have this innate ability to find the best books. And I really mean that. Like I get these morning time plans from you. I've never seen them before because you you just do them. You're absolutely wonderful in that way. And oh, I open you. them up and I start looking at the books that you've chosen. And I'm like, how in the world did she find these? These are absolutely awesome. So how did you develop this skill of picking such really great books? Well, um, in short, I read a lot of books. <laughs> And I just, I love going through the library and just looking at all kinds of books. It's a a fun thing to do for me is to scour the children's section and just see what they have to offer. I search, I I do use book lists. I search book lists. I've at times even used library thing as a great source. You can join for free and you can search tags that other people have tagged as subjects. So when your library catalog fails you because you've not, they've not tagged a book for a certain topic or a certain subject, then you can search what other people have said that, oh, this book has this person in it, or this book talks about this character trait. So some of the things that you may not um, be able to pick up with normal book lists or catalogs or Amazon, you can use library thing because other human beings have actually tagged that book. That, yeah, that's a great tip because um, I, I have library thing from years ago and I no longer use it to catalog books because I kind of got over that. And um, so it, it never occurred to me to like log in and actually check those tags, but you're absolutely right. People yeah. have tagged them. Yeah. So if there's a fairy tale that's, that has to do with honesty, somebody may have tagged it honesty or lying or deception or something like that. So all of those things are tagged and every book has who knows how many tags on it. It's a good way to find different resources. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because as I'm hearing you talk about this, I love a good book, but I don't have the time or inclination to go out and find it for myself. So I'm perfectly happy to have somebody else find that for me. But it almost sounds like to me that this is like, you know, this is a hobby. This is a passion. This is something you really enjoy. So if other moms, you know, other moms out there listening, you might be more like Pam, where you're just perfectly happy to let somebody else find you a good book. And thank goodness there are people like Jessica who you like doing it. That's just what you like to do. It's like a big scavenger hunt. I really do. It's, it's a okay. lot of fun. Well, let's talk about what makes a good book. 
So when you're picking books for your kids or for the morning time plans or something like that, um, I know that moms kind of get hung up a little bit and they're concerned that they're not, you know, if there are 10 books about Abraham Lincoln, how do I know how to pick a good one? So how do you do that? What's your process? So when I'm choosing nonfiction books, such as one on Abraham Lincoln or Ben Franklin or Mobs and Butterflies or uh, The Planets, I'm looking for a book that's going to tell me more than the Wikipedia article I can look up online. I'm looking for a book that has engaging illustrations. I'm looking for text that offers more of a story. I'm looking for descriptions that Wikipedia just isn't going to offer. Something that will help my children see in their minds the life of Abraham Lincoln. And I, and I want it presented in an interesting way. So those are the kinds of things that you're going for is something just a, a little bit out of uh, the basic facts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's presented, for example, there's this great dragonfly book, Fly High Dragonfly. It came out last spring, early summer sometime. And there was the story, a fly high dragonfly, and it went through his life cycle. But then at the bottom of the page, it had engaging information about what was happening in that part of the dragonfly's life. So you had the overarching beautiful text with an information when your child wanted it. That's the kind of books, one of the types of books I look for and enjoy reading in morning time. You know, it's funny, you chose a few years ago, and I can't remember for which set of, of morning time plans it was for, but you chose the book Papa is a Poet about yes. Robert Frost. Uh-huh. And that was such a fabulous book. I mean, yeah. it, we got this story of Robert Frost's life, but you know, it didn't uh, it didn't read like a biographical encyclopedia entry. Right, right. It sometimes just has portions of his life that have to do with the, his poetry. Um, books like that, that like you said, are not necessarily linear or all inclusive. They just give a portion that your child will remember and remember having enjoyed because of the way it was presented in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned book lists earlier. So uh, how do book lists help you out? I really like a good book list. So what, what I do with book lists, though, they can be frustrating because you, you find this great book list online, you've looked at it, you've read some of the summaries to these books and you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to get these books. And you end up at your library and come to find out that a lot of them have been out of print. They no longer circulate because nobody wanted to check them out. And you're just frustrated. But they can still be useful because they can help you find good authors that you might enjoy. Maybe your library has more books by that same author. Or your librarian can help you find other books that are the same type. And they also can help you zero in on a topic or genre that you may not have zeroed in on before. So if you know nothing about classic books, there are a ton of classic book lists out there. You go, oh, I didn't realize that was a classic. Or a science fiction book list. Oh, you know, this one looks like maybe one we might enjoy, even though that's not a genre we would normally pick. So they can help you get you out of your comfort zone. I, I think a really good curated book list is a good resource. I love that. I would have never thought about that. I would have been the person who went to the library and was just absolutely frustrated that, you know, this particular 
Um, and gosh, I'm trying to think of an author off the top of my head, but like this particular Tommy DePaula book was not there, you know? Right. And so yeah. it never would have occurred to me, well, there are 15 other Tommy DePaula books here. So <laughs> I might like one of those. <laughs> I might like one of those. Yeah. That's a really fabulous, you know, fabulous way to look at using a book list. And then also we all get stuck in those reading ruts, reading in those same genres. And so um, having some good suggested books in different genres, that's a wonderful thing as well. Right. You don't want to just say, hey, I'll read a science fiction book and then go randomly pick one and you hate it and then never read another science fiction book again. You really want somebody to have said, this is a good science fiction book. We're yeah. going to start with that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So if we're looking for books for our morning time, uh, because you're kind of an expert at that. How do you find uh, books that are good for reading aloud versus books that might be good for like your kids to read by themselves? So I, I first want to say that reading aloud, picking those books, you need to engage the whole family. But that doesn't mean that it has to be everybody's favorite book or favorite type of book. So, but it will offer something for everyone. Also, another tip to picking a book for reading out loud is choosing a book that, because reading time can be short, like you said, your, your morning time can be very short and you maybe only get 10 minutes for your read aloud time. So choose a book that has action happening consistently and is um, maybe more episodic, like the Moffats or the Saturdays. So there's an overarching theme in the book, yet each chapter offers a smaller story that sort of has some sort of conclusion before you move on. Those are good choices for really short morning times. Okay, I want to say something here because we recently read Jean Craighead George's uh, The Tarantula in My Purse. Oh, and I love that book. It's yeah, so okay, yes. But I think <laughs> oh that goodness. was one of the things my kids absolutely loved about it was it was almost like a series. They weren't essays, but a, a series, and they weren't short stories. It was almost like a series of vignettes into her yeah. family and all the different animals they had. And I think that was one of the things my kids absolutely loved was that now some days we would read more than one chapter, right. but you know, we could read one chapter and it was kind of a start and finish and it was over and they kind yes. of got the complete little story. Yes. And it was like stories she would tell her grandkids one at a time. Yeah. And there could be weeks in between and you'd still be able to pick it up. Yes. Yes. I think that was, I think that's a great tip. And it never, like, I knew we loved that little book, but it didn't occur to me that that was a big part of why until you said that. So yeah. do you know of any other books that are like that? Uh, the Moffats, The Saturdays. Um, I'm trying to think of some others off the top of my head. Those are the two I thought of. Things like uh, Five Children and It, Half Magic. Again, so most of those have a, a more overarching story than Tarantula in My Purse, but they're still start and stop. You're not having to hold on to a big complicated plot as you move on. So if you end up getting sick kids for a week or you lose your voice, heaven forbid, for a week, week and a half, and you can't read out loud, you're not losing the flow of a story because you can't read it. Oh, I love that tip. Okay, so what else uh, for reading aloud versus reading to yourself? Well, I also think that it's important to gauge where you and your family are at at the moment. It's February. We're all, you know, February slump. It's all over. People are talking about it. So it's important to gauge, are you sick of the cold and snow? Well, please don't read anything sad and boring. Um, not like you pick a boring book, but don't read anything sad or 
just maybe heavy. deep or heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Deep or heavy is the word I'm looking for. So pick a Pippi long stocking or Sir Giver the short and laugh a little. It's okay. If your read aloud is short, um, trying to think of some others, five children and it is a good one to laugh at half magic, just something light and fluffy is, is fine for read aloud, something to get you laughing. But if, you're ready to go away from the cold and the snow and you want a longer book, The Hobbit or The Little White Horse or anything kind of fantasy, fairy tale-ish. Um, but if you're ready, if you're in a season where your kids are growing and you're having great conversations with them, then choose a book that's going to foster that, such as like Inside Out and Back Again or The Giver Quartet. So just take into account your season of where you're at when you choose books for your children. And also, I have to say, my last tip is that read what you like. If mm -hmm. I don't like a book, chances are I'm not going to choose to read it out loud. They can read that book by themselves. <laughs> I'm, I'm having, I'm having so flashbacks to like Barbie books we got from the library. Oh my right? goodness, yes. And so I would, I tell, ever, I would yeah. tell the little six-year-old girl, you can check it out, but I'm not reading it to you. <laughs> Absolutely. I say that about comic books. You can bring that home, but I am not reading that out loud. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you. Okay. So I know for a fact that sometimes when you choose books for morning time, you actually choose some books, uh, especially for our morning time plans, that you would never read out loud. So what's the yes. strategy behind that? Well, I think they're really great books, but because of their presentation, they, they're not good books to read aloud, but they are great books to put on your table while you are reading aloud another book. So if I'm reading aloud John Smith's World or a book about Sir Walter Raleigh, we're, we're kind of going through that period of history right now, then I will spread out on the table DK eyewitness books about that or a book I get at the library that has a lot of pictures and maybe some snippets of information. I just find those books really jumpy to read aloud from, but they're great to strew when I am having to get up for a few minutes to help the three-year-old with something or to take care of somebody knocked on the door, whatever it is where I have to leave the table. Then they have these things to look at and to maybe read a snippet of. That may enjoy the comic books, the graphic histories that I put on the morning time lists. And I think they're really great, but again, it's a comic book and you can't read that out loud very easily. But yeah. then they can. Well, and I love that idea because you know what they could do is they could draw from those books as well. So yes, plenty of while, pictures. Yeah, while you're reading out uh, out loud from some of the more narrative kinds of books, you know, they may flip open that DKI witness book and, and be drawing pictures of, you know, the men in armor or um, the tools that the uh, settlers used or whatever um, and, and having something to do with their hands that's related to what you're reading. Yes, that yeah. works. So... Going back to the book list thing and, this, and the frustration there, if somebody comes along and downloads uh, one of our sets of morning time plans, uh, if they make a purchase, or if they download our free month of morning time plans and they get to the library and uh, let's say we're studying butterflies and there are no, none of the butterfly books that you've chosen are at the library, what do you suggest they do? Well, I suggest that 
you, you know, our library in the nonfiction section has these lovely little signs for the kids, you know, airplanes are over here, dinosaurs are over there. So you kind of get a good idea of where things are. Just go to that section and find the butterfly books for nonfiction and, and see what they have to offer. Now, when I flip open a book, the cover is, of course, the first thing I look at. And that can be a good indication. Does it have lovely cover art? Somebody's taken the time to, you know, provide good illustrations for this book. If I don't like the pictures, I put it back. If I don't like the format, I put it back. If I read a paragraph and it's dry, I put it back. And don't okay, be afraid. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we're we're going to make a list here of everything you just said. First of all... Jessica Lawton does judge a book by its cover <laughs> because, and this is funny, this is important because somebody has <laughs> taken the time, they've put care into the cover. Yes. Okay. That's very interesting. And then you look, you just told me you look at, um, you look at three things. You look at the quality of the illustrations. Yes. You, you look at the format of the book. Uh, what do you mean by format of the book? Okay, by that I mean, is the information arranged in a easy way to read? Is it arranged in a way that I can easily read aloud and my children can see the pictures with it? Okay. Um, I want text on the same page as the pictures. One of the things that's coming to mind that's just horrible, <laughs> they're good books, but they're horrible to read aloud, are those uh, Magic School Bus books. Oh, yes. Those, yeah. So those are the ones I keep on my shelf for my kids to read when they're just starting to read. And right. I really want to have something. So that's the kind of formatting that is kind of off-putting for reading books yes. aloud. And then the last yes. thing you said was you just choose a random sample paragraph and read yes. it to make sure it's interesting and not dry. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I also, I also want to let you know that the, don't be afraid of those older books because they're still there for a reason. So if it has one of those older covers that has been, it's been rebound sometimes because of that, or it never had a cover picture, doesn't mean the insides are not good. That book is still on the shelf for a reason. So sometimes those older books are actually really great resources. Yeah. So when Jessica was living here, our library went through a huge book purge. And yes. one of the things that we found out, we, we, we were a little frustrated sometimes with our library system, <laughs> is that um, books that don't get checked out, they remove from the shelves. And so sometimes some really great books, just for whatever reason, don't appeal to other people in your town. So we found some awesome finds at that we library sure sale. I still have a lot of them. And then other times... You know, so it kind of works both ways. Sometimes really good books kind of get passed out of the system because for whatever reason, people didn't check them out. But then other times a book that is older and has been around a while has really kind of stood the test of time in a library system. Yes. It, mm -hmm. It's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's withstood against being discarded because they will if nobody checks it out. Right. They will. They will get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you choose to buy a book? Because, you know, if you're looking at a book list of 10 or 15 books, you're, you're not, you know, as many books as you have, as, as much as your husband <laughs> allows you to collect books, you, can, you can't buy all of them. So <laughs> no, you can't. So 
how do I choose a book to keep on my shelf? Well, there are different topics for this. And this is not maybe the best question to ask a girl who has over 3,000 books. <laughs> Self-control in the book department is not, not something I have. Uh, but I love niche books. So these are the books that fill a unique, specific hole of knowledge. Um, this is for nonfiction books. For example, we have atlases with maps that change the, the whole book is about the changing of political borders or different battles or the history of these of maps and it starts in the middle ages and it goes through different types of maps and things so i love books that are going to provide a unique story from a certain period of history that again i'm not going to find necessarily on wikipedia or in my history book text that I'm reading to the children. Books like Do Re Mi about the monk who invented musical notation. Would never have heard of him without that book. So you're- And Jeannie. Jeannie told me about him. Yeah. So uh, Jeannie Shaw, is, uh, she writes our Catholic morning time plans. But so what I hear you saying is you go for, you know, instead of going out and saying, well, I'm going to buy a book about the Civil War, you go out and you say, well, I'm going to buy a book about, you know, the guy who took pictures, uh, some of the first pictures during the Civil War. I think his name was yeah, Matthew, that'd be great. Matthew Brady or something like that. Somebody I write that book. You got a title? <laughs> Somebody write that book. But yeah, right? so you're going to, you know, get a picture book about him and his picture taking process, not about the Civil War in general. Well, I mean, I do have books about Civil War on my shelf, but the books I really love and I really suggest other people put on their shelves are things like that. Yes, I have one called The Vicksburg Veteran, and it's a book about Vicksburg, but it's not just a book about Vicksburg. It has more of a story to it. Okay, so I am, I'm actually loving this. Idea. See, this is why I love to talk to you because I never think about these things. It never occurred to me that like going for the niche books are where it's at. And I'm going to let you talk about a couple of other kinds of books in just a second. But I do have one question for you. What, do you go with your kids' interests on this? Do you go with your interests on this? I mean, would you have a niche book about a particular subject if nobody in your house were interested in it? No. Okay. I wouldn't, but there isn't a lot I'm not interested in. <laughs> Spoken like a true homeschooling mom. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, especially if it's got a really great presentation. And we all, of course, my children have the specific topics that they just love. My son will, can, here in Colorado, we have airplanes going over our heads all the time. And he is just so excited about airplanes. So naturally, our airplane book collection has bloomed in the past year or so. And my daughter loves Egypt. And so we have a collection of Egypt books for her. So we do have topics that maybe have more books than other topics. But if it's a really great book that I feel like offers some interesting material, I don't care what it's about. I'm gonna buy it anyway. <laughs> Okay, so the the presentation and the narrative of the book, uh, you know, kind of trump what the the topic of the book is. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that sounds weird, but it does. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, and that's probably great because you have these beautiful books lying around that people right. pick up and look at and read because they're beautiful and interesting, and it probably sends them off into all kinds of other interests they might not have normally had. Well, that is the hope. <laughs> 
Okay. So tell me about, um, we, we've been talking about nonfiction here. What about fiction or art books? Well, I want to encourage, um, to keep several oversized art books. That was one of the things I thought about when I was going to be talking about books. You can find these at yard sales or library bookstores or thrift stores. A lot of times people have, I don't know where these books even come from, I guess museums or Amazon or whatever, but they're big and they have beautiful pictures in them. And the internet is nice, but I definitely want to have several of these. Maybe you just need one in your house, but I of course need several. Um, (laughs) um, I'm seeing a pattern here. (laughs) Yeah. um, You can never have enough art books because my kids will take these down and flip through them. And then they're being exposed to beautiful artwork and there's nothing like flipping a page and having this lovely glossy a piece of artwork in front of you. The only, in my opinion, the next best thing is, is going to the museum and seeing the artwork itself. Mm-hmm. So these, these are just a great bang for your buck if you want to show your children beauty. Okay. And then what about the fiction? These I have maybe three categories for to keep on my shelf. If I loved the book, we're probably going to have a copy of it, which is easy, of course. And there are the authors that I've simply collected their other books because I liked something I read from them. Lloyd Alexander is one of those. I liked Chronicles of Peridian. So every time I saw a book by him, I went, oh, let's try this one. And those ended up on our shelf. And I have enjoyed some of those as well. And then there are, of course, the books like we've talked about before, The, the Magic Tree House, The Bobsy Twins, the, some of those other series books that my kids like and enjoy when they're learning how to read that I wouldn't necessarily choose to keep later on, but they're, they're on my shelf now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the historical fiction books that give extra context for history. So I do keep a wide variety and I have a wide criteria for the books I keep on my shelf. Honestly, if it has a cover and paper in between those covers, it's probably going to be considered. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's the criteria. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about having all of those uh, kind of easy readers around, but when you get a kid who's ready to binge on that kind of stuff to have, and you can pick those up at yard sales for 10 cents, 25 cents or something like that, but to have that available. So when they get sucked into a series, they can just read and read and read without having to go back to the library, without having to pester you to go back to the library. So nice. Yes. Yes. It really, it really, really is nice. So there is, there is a benefit to those kinds of easier books and just, you know, picking them up at yard sales for 10 or right. 25 cents when you have kids who are at that age and about to, you know, burst forth and need all of that uh, high fluency, easy to read kind of stuff. So, right. Well, what's your relationship with your librarian? Uh, does she help you choose good books? Well, honestly, not where we live right now. I'm not even sure who my librarian is. <laughs> We have such a huge library system here, and it's it's really great in that way. I can get books from a huge network of libraries here in our city, and I can also they have an amazing interlibrary loan program where I've been able to get most of the books I want through there. You have to wait, but you right. can get them. So, Well, think back when we to live- when you were here. What tips do yes. you have for, for helping somebody work with their librarian? Well, when we lived um, in Alabama, 
the, I felt like our children's librarian was very knowledgeable about what she, her curated section of books. And she was definitely willing to work with you. If you just, all I had to do was talk to her about what we were doing. And she would offer up, hey, well, have you seen this book over here? And so they, they love books. They're librarians. <laughs> and they also, hopefully, if they're children's librarian, like children as well. So they often want to show off their collection. This is, they have curated it often. They have, they have chosen the books and picked them out. So talking to them is, and asking for their help. You, in my experience with this one librarian, they're only too willing to help yeah. you. And, and always ask if you can suggest books for purchase because they have a budget for things like that a lot of times. Um, and if they do purchase them for you, make sure you check them out. <laughs> because otherwise, you know, well, I ordered that one for nothing. Yeah, they're not going to do it the next time. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's what I've found, too. I mean, that's been my experience where we live. Um, and, and I'm hoping that it's the same way across the country for other people as well, that uh, they're having good experiences with their librarians. But it's I, I like the point. It's something that I don't necessarily think about. If I were to go to the library and not find a book that I wanted, my next stop would probably be Amazon. But I can, you know, request that book and ask for it takes a little advanced planning, but it is something that, that you can do. Right. Well, yeah. also, they might be able to offer books that are in different sections. So if I've scoured the nonfiction section on insects, the librarian might notice that I have a lot of books on insects or just mention that, hey, we're studying insects. She might be able to point me to a picture book or a, a fiction book that will offer uh, that topic as well. Yeah. So it's in a different section. I may never been able to find it, but they know where these books are and they know what they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. So if you have somebody who feels like just intimidated by the whole idea of picking books and, you know, I, I think it's really, I think we get kind of worked up in our head about this whole situation. Like I've got, you know, we've got one chance to study Abraham Lincoln and I've got to pick right. the best Abraham Lincoln book or I've ruined it forever. It's really not like that at all. <laughs> no, it's not. But I think you've given us some great tips today. Any last tips for like, how do you kind of get over that and move past that idea that uh, picking books is hard? Well, I mean, choosing books can sometimes be hard, especially if I'm trying to help my daughters choose chapter books from the library. Honestly, there are a lot of times after looking at the cover reading the inside material, flipping through, you know, doing my sort of criteria on them. Um, I just sigh and hand it to him and say, figure it out yourself and come to me. And, I, and my daughter has, she said, I'm not going to keep reading this book. Okay, well, let's talk about it. And I said, okay, made a good decision. Let's, so sometimes it's not all on me, if that makes sense. Okay. And it's giving our children the opportunity to read books and also if you bring home a, a book that doesn't appeal or doesn't end up being good, well, then stop reading it and just chuck it back in the pile of to go back to the library and try again next time. It's like you said, you're not going to ruin it. And you're going to show your children that, hey, sometimes you just end up with something you didn't care for. And that's fine. You're going you're gonna to see that your whole life. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think honestly, as we're talking about this, I think it would be better to, t- to take a book that you open up and it's just not engaging. Nobody's liking it. Nobody's getting into it. You're seeing that it's bad. And to just close it and say, eh, that's not a winner and move on until you can get something else. You know, it's better to let it go than it is to try to, uh, you know, hammer everybody over the head with it. Right. Yeah, force it. Yeah. yeah, life is too short for bad books. Even, even I agree. Yeah. There are so many wonderful books out there to read. And if you happen to come across one that just stinks, oh goodness, just close it back up, send it back to the library. And that takes the pressure off. I mean, it totally takes yeah. the pressure off for you feeling like you have to pick the perfect book every single time. If, if you give yourself permission to say, eh, we're going to close this one, put it back. You know, not, I mean, if you have one kid who's not liking it and you're liking it, then no, they can sit there and listen to it. That's right. It's not going to kill them. But, um, but yeah, if it's just a bad book, it's, it's okay to say, you know what, this just wasn't that great. We're closing it and we're going to move on and, and find something else. So, yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me here today to talk about books and how to pick books and how you choose books for the morning time plans and use them in your morning time. And uh, I really appreciate it. Well, I've had a great time and I could talk all day. Sure you don't have more time? (laughs) I know you could. (laughs) Thanks so much. And there you have it. Now, if you would like links to any of the books and resources that Jessica and I chatted about on today's episode of the podcast, you can find them on the show notes at pambarnhill.com slash YMB68. Also, be sure to go check out those show notes because we have some wonderful new downloads for you that we're doing for every new episode of the podcast. And by the way, we're going back and doing them for all the old episodes of the podcast as well. It's just going to take a little bit of time for us to get them all finished. But these fabulous new podcast downloads include a full transcript of every single podcast. Also, questions for you to think about and action items for each podcast timestamps so you can jump around in the podcast and find your favorite parts again. And even a basket bonus. This episode of the podcast does have a basket bonus and it's a book list of some of Jessica's absolute favorite books for morning time. So not all of the podcasts will have that basket bonus, but many of them will. But every single podcast will eventually have that packet of downloads. And once again, you can find that on the show notes at pambarnhill.com slash YMB68. Now, I will be back again in a couple of weeks with an interview with Lauren Stangle. Lauren is a mom who is educating her kids bilingually, and she was not bilingual herself. And you're going to hear about why this was extremely important for Lauren to do, and also how she is using morning time to make this happen. Her story is an interesting one. She kind of started out doing this one way met me, stepped back and regrouped, and now morning time is the way she's making it happen. It's a fun story. So check that out in a couple of weeks. And until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day. Mm